A capable wife who can find. What a question. I'm not asking you to raise hands. This is not a straw poll. That might be a dangerous choice from the pulpit. But let me ask you, who among us has mastered this fine art of multitasking to the nth degree? Managing a booming business while weaving and spinning, while working out, while giving alms, while raising a handful of kids and managing a household staff, while importing food, while, get this, still speaking kindly. (laughs) That's where it falls apart. It is wild to me that this passage has been used as a bridal checklist, uh, a measuring stick for what it would look like to be a good and capable wife. It is on towards absurd and laughable, I hear you, because taken as a punch list, it's impossible. And I I trust that some of us were taught in all earnestness to reach for this impossible standard to try to contort ourselves or our partner enough that we might meet such lofty expectations. And if that is true for you, I am sorry. It is a flagrant misuse of scripture, and I know that it has done real damage. There are a couple of things that stick out almost immediately if we If we just start scratching the surface of these lines, though. First of all, it's it's not actually a given that we're talking about a wife here. The same word is, is used in Hebrew to mean both wife and woman. It it depends on what else is going on. Rachel Held Evans has written extensively on this passage, and she proposes that it would be better translated not as a capable wife, but as a woman of valor. Someone of strength and courage and wisdom. Someone who lives with a remarkable heart. One of the few other places this phrase appears in the Hebrew scriptures is in describing Ruth, but she is spoken of as a woman of valor when she is brave and destitute, making her way in a foreign land long before she becomes a wife or a mother. Held Evans reminds us that this is a poem, and it's rooted in a book about wisdom, about the Spirit's arrival among us. It's about looking for strength and valor and learning to live with both. What's more, if the whole book of Proverbs is circling on themes of holy wisdom personified, that is, of coming to see God showing up in and among the human elements, then this poem serves as a guidepost of where we might begin to look for the holy. But the writer goes 
far beyond what was expected then or now, I think. God is not just in the beautiful temple, not just in religious practice or even in nature. The spirit is alive in in business deals and in schmoozing with powerful leaders. God is present in feasting, in, in beauty that may seem maybe more indulgent than is necessary. And God is present in the mundane minutiae of keeping house, of tending family. God is in the crusty dishes and the mountains of laundry and and rumbling the recycling bins to the curb. This entire breadth of life is where we can look for God, the writer is saying. Everywhere, in all of it. And then the flip side of that coin, it's the whisper that in all of those places, all those responsibilities and tasks and maybe headaches, we're invited to show up with heart, to live it all out with valor. Now, Perhaps some of you are already practicing arriving to the whole of life with this abundant heart and ready spirit. And if you are, fantastic. But my hunch is that many of us struggle there, that um, myself included, that, that we struggle to see God in the drudgery, struggle to do our part with something that approximates valor. It's a tall order. Not only are we asked to do this chore or tackle that stressful responsibility, but but do it with valor also, with a generous soul and a brimming heart and kind words. My goodness. Where do we start? How do we move in that direction? Well, there's... There's a clue, I think, that is buried toward the end of this passage. But as it is translated for us this morning, I think some of us might be inclined to skip right over it. We hear that this woman of valor fears the Lord. It's one of those lines that has been used as a stick, an attempt to make us afraid and pull us into line. But I think it may, in fact, be an invitation. The Hebrew word we hear translated as fear is complex. There are layers to it. It does speak to an experience that may include fear, but it's more than that. It's it's that state of trembling and wonder in the face of something enormous. Something beautiful. It's standing in awe and sensing the nearness of God. Can you remember a time when you have been pulled into awe? A moment when you have been just stopped in your tracks and thrust into the awareness that 
You are completely surrounded by goodness. Can you remember such a time? I've been stumbling into that place, often literally, early in the morning. Most days, I take our dog, Mabel, for an early hike up in the hills. And many mile, many mornings, uh, a mile or so in, I realize suddenly that I'm grinning. And that I have been grinning for some time. My grin comes with the return of this piercing blue sky after too many days of hazy smoke. Or it comes as wonder at the lichen, almost luminous as it covers the oak trees. Or in the sun dancing on a bright house down in the valley. Or in the good humor of fawns bouncing as they grow week by week. Awe erupts in me as I walk smack into the mist that that sometimes hangs in the air now. And as I catch the sound of kids finally playing and whooping at the playground, the school down below. I grin in wonder that this hike can be part of my daily rhythm, that that I get to call this gorgeous place home. The admonition to be fearful, to brace myself before God, this has rarely, maybe not ever, pulled me to be more alive. This wisdom writing is not about inducing terror, but about choosing to live in awe allowing ourselves to be pulled into wonder, into that trembling place where words fail us as we soak in the beauty. And I forget this. I forget how necessary this is. This place of awe, it is our well. This is where we come to be filled up. This is where we are strengthened for all those other parts of our lives. The exciting and the glamorous and and also the mundane and weary-making. The awe feeds us so that we can show up to all of it with valor. We can't create the valor whole cloth. We don't grow generous, spacious hearts from scratch all on our own steam. They must be filled by something that is greater than us. We return to awe as a way of life so that we can live with this wholehearted strength. So this 31st chapter of Proverbs. If you are hoping to use this passage as a a checklist for potential partners or as a yardstick for yourself, well, let me know how that goes for you. (laughs) But I'm not willing to throw it out because there is goodness here. 
Goodness and how it steers us to catch glimpses of God in fabulously unlikely places. And goodness in this map of how we might live with such holy wisdom ourselves. We can begin by standing in awe. Trusting that this will give us the strength to show up with heart to the whole of our lives. 